0: some life-changing moments as a result. I didn't say no to working on the Sunday. I didn't say no to working for free as their film critic for a year. I just, you know, so when you say finding ways to put it all back together, imagine the stories I have to share now, right?
1: Perfect, Mohit. Um, thank you for joining us here today. Uh, you know, we had a little technical trouble to start jumping in. A-
0: I thought I was going to be in the studio. I I'd,
1: I'd, <laughs> yeah, man, I missed that studio. Uh, I just shared that picture today on LinkedIn about, um, you know, our first recording from two years ago. Uh, missed that studio a lot. But, you know, COVID allows us to do this much easier.
0: Right. And uh, we connected on LinkedIn. And I and I have to tell you, I've used your YouTube page Uh, as an example to other podcasters as um, so this is kudos to you in the idea that you found a way already to step the game up a little bit which is a little that's different and right now you can tell how important that is based on what some people are trying to do to launch their own podcast Mm
2: -hmm. so i was
0: really um, impressed by and i have been really impressed by your the video portion of your podcast in many cases i i haven't really even been interested in what the person's saying and I'm just more interested in how you're lighting stuff and how you're trying to create a mood for conversation uh so yeah kudos to you.
1: Hey thank you man I really appreciate that um so you're you're a co-founder of Think Start Inc um you know it's it's a it's a collective of freelancers as you put it right and and part of the things you help with is helping people start podcasts. I was going to jump jump right into that because um that's that's I mean that's like the wave right now right podcasting Podcast companies, podcast enabling services—they're really kind of taken off. Um, so, would love to go right into a deep dive with that. Um sure. so Starting with starting with you, um, what's your background?
0: Yeah, so I actually was one of the first podcasters in the city of Toronto. Uh, okay. surpri- surprisingly, I did the Blog To Movies To podcast back in 2006. Um, so, understanding the genesis of the RSS feed, hyperlocalization how it was going to factor into browser, how audio branding was going to work. I mean, I have a history in radio, so to see the transition into podcasting for websites was the first to see how uh, people were going to use and bridge the two different um, hmm. media mediums. So um, from a studying perspective, then, like, I mean, I guess you can think of it this way. Working in mainstream media for the last 20 years, you could see where the real content houses were were originally right these were the only people that were creating volumes of content so i saw all the dips into podcasting that many of these brands tried but didn't know what the value was going to be and it wasn't until the last three years that I started to realize that, wait a minute, there's a much bigger content play happening in the podcasting world from internal communications, right to what you're doing, which is thought leadership. And I've been able to capitalize on it in multiple different ways, mostly from a leadership perspective. So, for example, I'm uh, sorry, I is that did I answer your question? I'm-
1: no, absolutely. Yeah. Keep going. Like from. So.
0: Uh- from a leadership perspective, I've uh, I've done everything from programming um, internal networks that are about to launch. Uh, in my last uh, project, I did with Air Canada, we worked on what the Canadian content was going to be in the podcasting world um, within the airline side of things because they dealt with an American distributor. Uh, on my own, currently, I'm I have a partnership with that I'm working on with Telefilm Canada on a on a project. Um, actually, it's it's a project that thankfully was sponsored by telephone canada it's not directly with um them so it's it's been great because i work on the audio strategy in a much broader sense about where the opportunities lie rather than just hey you should do a podcast and everybody should be on board hold hands and put it on lipsyn and like you know
1: that sort of thing yeah that's 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 really cool uh I i had to mute my mic for a bit it's a lot of background background noise but um no, I think that's, that's really cool. Like being one of the first in podcasting. like for me, this is accidental, right? I got it. I started listening to podcasts a lot, like uh, two years ago and Gary Vee started popping up on my timeline on Instagram saying, it's yelling at me. It's like, you have to, be, you have to be creating content. You have to be creating content. So I'm like, okay, let's create some content and got, uh, started, started getting into it accidentally. But people who have been doing it for a while, I mean, now it's a lot easier. There's a lot of technology, there's a lot of know-how books and stuff like that, right? Like, looking back at historical, like, you know, people started super early, didn't really have much context to go on. It required a little bit of technical ninja skills to kind of put everything together to, you know, to stream your stuff online, to have RSS feeds, to get people to subscribe to it. Um, What were you doing that was a little different from everybody else?
0: Oh, I actually, it's funny that you say that because... So you won't see my, my digital imprint in the podcasting world from a consistency from 2006. I got to study it. Right.
2: Mm. So when
0: I re- so I ob- obviously did it first, like I hosted the and w- but after the two years of understanding how hard it was for us to t- translate the audience from what we were building with um, Blog TO at the time, because that's what it was. Right. It was everybody trying to find uh, blocks to capture a bigger audience. And to be honest with you, podcasting in North America isn't used the same way as it's used around the world. There's mm-hmm. a huge educational uh, uh, um uh, component to the way it's being used in Europe right now. In Asia, it's one of the single biggest resources for people learning business skills from North America. So it's not really happening in the in in just the oh my God, did you see this week's episode? I was so great. I had a great conversation. That unfortunately is our inherent uh, viewpoint because of how radio. Um, how much radio we listen to as kids, but what you're doing right now is you're creating what the kids are going to create podcasts based on. So your opportunity right now is to really um, hone in on what your quote unquote superpower is in the audio space. If you start falling victim to trying to create um, podcasts that are the same as the ones you listen to, then you're just creating therapy sessions for yourself. You're not necessarily moving the needle on it. And Mm. you as an innovator aren't sitting here with a headset on having this conversation with me just because you want people to say 10 years from now, remember that great conversation you had with Mohit? You know what I mean? It's it's the start of something. So while I can't sort of take claim in this idea that I saw all the potential, blah, blah, blah. No, I instead was learning along the way because it's not an isolated medium. It's part of your building blocks. You know, you talk about Gary Vee and I've started to talk a little bit in the idea that why, why do we... I have so many companies selling you on um, marketing stacks. You know, shouldn't it be a content stack? Shouldn't it be something where you can stop and say, "Okay, I'm willing to give 30% of my time each week to creating content that's going to be marketing, that's going to be points of business, that is going to be growing my audience, and something for the culture." That's, you know, four hours of my time. And these are the platforms I'm going to invest in. And that's what's going to yield. That's how we have to start to look at these things. Right. Mm. We don't need. Yeah. Cause we don't need another podcast. You're right. Well, as soon as anybody, you know, um, you know, or, or say, the other thing I hear often is people saying, oh, we tried that. And then I, and then I ask, I'm like, when did you try it? What did you try and tell me why you failed. Like, what, what could you have done that made you say, I never want to do this again? Right. <laughs> like what happened back then? Because now People are starting to realize there's no, the rules aren't the same. It's not like every week you need to deliver something, every month you need to have 400 more subscribers. Heck, man, there's some people right now that are building podcasts just so that they can put their advertisements in. They're not even, Mm. they have no real point to what they're doing. They're just like, remember, we're doing this and don't forget to come to this and we're doing this. But anyway, so did you see any good movies lately? (laughs) Like it's just like, oh, okay. So I'm excited about what the medium has to offer, especially as more and more people are, are forced into it, because look, if you're a leader at a company right now, tell me podcasting isn't amazing for you to be able to spread the gospel on what your company is doing.
1: Right? Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. Um, you no, know, you covered a lot of great points that uh, you know, I, I've been mulling about as well. You know, um, Scott Galloway talks about this. There's 1.1 million podcasts in in North America. million podcasters, Wow! right? And less than 1%, less than 10,000 of them are profitable just on podcasting, AKA have enough of an audience to charge enough for uh, ad revenue or uh, another source to make it into a self-fulfilling business. Meaning the remainder are doing it as a secondary or tertiary thing for their main line of business, right? So, they do X, or they do y, and then they do the podcasting to 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 you know to capture an audience space to bring uh, to convert into uh, their business stream. right? And that's that's a space that I'm really interested in because the evolution, like you're saying that the evolution, I'm seeing that is like, Rather than doing a cold call or rather than doing like a, a a cold email or outreach or even a LinkedIn reach out, right? By creating content, you know, you get to spread your message, like you like I said, spread your gospel. One, uh, with the type of guests you bring on, you get to like have like an intellectual, uh, uh, you know, intellectual come in from a, from a statistical realm who can p- provide some kind of input from that. But also, it's uh, what Naval Ravikant calls, um, the co founder of AngelList, calls unpermissioned leverage, right? Every time you do an episode, love that. You're you're capturing like data. You're capturing a yes. uh, branding, right? You're branding of the person who came on, the the imprint of people who are watching that, and you're just building, building, building leverage, and it's an exponential growth growth cream, um, right? So I, it's one of the main reasons why I, I love doing this, because it's like something that's for free that you're just capturing value on. The more you do, the more weight it holds.
0: Yes, and you, I you should remind your audience and people that you know in this field as well that. Um, the transcription of what we're speaking about as well will eventually happen as well, right? Like so, so the w- the way that this conversation gets involved in the ethos of search and how people start to identify as um, material that they can reference and research that's going to only grow as well. So can you imagine you and I having a conversation that's capturing a twenty twenty one piece of whatever the culture and the history is right now might be studied in twenty forty one? Yep. You know what I mean? In a very different way. And and if you think about just how crazy the world is right now, it's going to be even more important for people to look back at 2020 and 2021 with this whole what was going on? Like, what happened? You know, how do people survive, not survive, right? So it, it's an amazing time to really carve out how you want your voice to be a factor into your life. It is very difficult to be able to stop and say it's a main revenue source, like you said. But I think the other part of it is, and I, and I don't mean to be um, like I don't mean to be a thing about this, but there is a um, there's a multi-level marketing aspect mm. to what's happening within podcasting right now that is really going to either turn a bunch of people onto it that you don't want or a lot of people off to it because of that flavor. And it's prominent in the U S right now, especially amongst realtors and especially amongst, um, loan, uh, payday loan, uh, people and stuff. It's great. You've got a voice. I'm not the one I'm not making the rules. You're not making the rules, but we have to remember that with the mass, um, adoption of it comes a couple of other things that people are like, yeah, you know, it's like, remember for a while there, and I, and I hate to digress, but remember for a while there when the internet was starting to, to come up, it was almost impossible to be able to open a browser without seeing like a pop-up, a dirty pop-up. Yeah. All of a sudden it was just like, well, well, and then that actually for a time period got people to say, no, you can't use it, that computer at work. No, you can't bring this. It's not secure. It's not this. It's not that. That's one of the things that I think is going to start to happen in podcasting a little bit where we're going to go through an annoyance cycle because of an abundance and people are going to have to come back to, okay, what are you doing with podcasting that makes mm-hmm. you so special? And that's why I want to work with you or be on your show, you know, so
1: that's- what Yes, I, I don't so do you, th- you think that there's too much noise in the ecosystem right now?
0: Yeah, I and I definitely think that it's very hard to validate yourself amongst that. Uh, A, the search for podcasts in general is horrible, right? Mm. Um, I love the fact that the most- used um website for searching for podcasts i can't remember the name of it but the guy is so cocky about his entity because it's the most searched for it's the most whatever guide it is it's one person who owns it his entire q a on the the website is about what he does he's like i'm not looking for business partners stop <laughs> pitching me on stuff stuff i don't need your suggestion i rank number one already you know, go look at another, I don't have advice for you. It's all based on stuff you can imagine that's been in his inbox because he's already proven out success. Mm. But I mean, there's a huge opportunity right now for just podcast search alone to be a factor in which you can benefit from being a part of the business. So we're at some really early stages right now, some exciting stuff, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, talking about that, like the, the podcast search, absolutely. Like I heard people talking about even like Google, not even Google, uh, Apple podcasts, right? the the search algorithm for uh, podcasts there, it doesn't necessarily show you the most popular episode uh, oh, podcast. It recommends things on a, a very weird uh, scale. So by growth or by like how many people are joining into it. So when you look at it, it, it recommends things based off of like how quickly the thing is growing. So you can have a very low follow rate and suddenly get promoted to a bunch of people and blow up, but then it'll wipe you away. But then really, really popular ones don't necessarily have just because you're popular, but not having new subscription growth doesn't get the same kind of uh, some kind of showcase. So a lot of weirdness going on there. Um, You're right. So, you know, let's let's a little.
0: Sorry, just very quickly to that. This is something I say to people whenever I'm doing a talk or a conversation. I always remind people that um, the biggest search engines aren't search engines anymore they're suggestion engines Mm. and so we have to go back to the idea that because they're suggestion engines you have to decide how you either become a part of their suggestion sphere or you fall within what you think the old school way is is what what the search sphere is and i mean it's so funny everybody talks about search engine optimization and i laugh and i'm like it's not even we're not even searching anymore it's you know we're we're asking for your—it's a recommendation engine. Yeah, right? yeah, like yeah, 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 Tell me your—tell me what you think I should be doing, not necessarily what what the truth is. So anyway, I'm sorry for digressing. No, I think that's
1: that. a, that's a really good point, right? Recommendation engines—you um, know—they're saying like the next Google or the, next, the Google killer or the next version of Google is going to be. It's going to be a it's going to be, ser- be a search engine for algorithms, for search engine for like AIs, right? So uh, uh, more uh, more machine based. So Less human input, right? But a bunch of machines can go out and search databases, find the relevant information that they can source, and b- bring it back to the human element, right? So recommendation-based search, absolutely, right? Yeah, um,
0: that'll be interesting too, considering how many holes they currently have right now in information bias that that's going through AI right now. I think a lot. I think the one aspect, you know, it's funny. On one hand, I talk to people about ignoring all these privacy issues on social because you got to get on and understand how your digital footprint works. But on the other hand, I'm really petrified of the fact that, you know, for 50% of the build and most of the AI stuff right now, diversity wasn't necessarily considered a factor. And so it'll be interesting to see where we net out. You know, a lot of the complaints within the search sphere when it came to Google prior to their most recent update was the fact that um, websites from Mumbai indexed a lot a lot higher in news ranking, and it was only because of abundance in search. So they had to fix that problem. And it'll be interesting if they start to see that in AI before they start to do what you referred to as the search of those algorithms, because we could be talking about a tipping point you know, on how they were like, oh, okay, before 2019, the studies indicated this, but when we started to take into consideration that not all these different other people worked and like lived in the world, you know then we factor it this way it'll be interesting that's the fascinating it's happening though
1: yeah let's just uh, cut back to a bit more about yourself Social. like you know you you know you you talked about blog to you uh, you know being one of the first to start podcasting um you know in toronto right what what does the evolution of that look like like where did you go from there like how'd you go from there to what you do now Oh, okay.
0: yeah, so I'll give you a, a very quick rundown about uh, who I am and what I do and what I've done. Yeah. Um, I was uh, a, a nice brown kid up until the age of about twenty eight, I went to McMaster University. I got a job. Uh, I worked. I was thinking about what the heck I'm gonna do with my life. Um, and then at around uh, so what then what happened was I realized one morning I woke up and I was like, the epiphany. I was thought if I'm ever gonna raise kids, I really want to find uh, a Um, something I can contribute to. So at that time, there were no um, South Asians in in behind the scenes in film and television. Deepa Mehta was really one of the only ground filmmakers. Srinivas Krishna was around, et cetera. And so I decided that I wanted to start the Toronto South Asian Film Festival. And in doing that back in 99 with my partner Dinesh, we created a forum in which people could start to showcase their work outside of the traditional sphere. So we weren't Bollywood people we also weren't hollywood people we were somewhere in the middle we were lucky enough that that um that trend started to grow as we did so people started to come and watch movies that were more reflective of the north american experience and stuff and from that i got my first media job which was within the director's guild of canada and i worked for omni tv for about uh eight nine years of my life Hmm. uh um, I was a very much a product. I rode the diversity train for a bit as I, as I like to remind people. And it's very, it was very healthy for me. I played the game. I, uh, I, I, yes, manned my way through a lot of conversations. I sat through ignorance. I sat through um, a lot of uphill battles. I was managed by 90% people who had no clue what I was trying to accomplish or do. Um, But I use that. I leveraged that into a position with CBC and then off to breakfast television for eight years and a traditional TV guy who pretty much had an immigrant mentality. So I worked six or seven jobs at a time. I, you know, I was Mo on 640 radio during the day. I was Mo Hits Movies on Flow 93.5 in the evening. I was Mo, the segment producer at breakfast television in the afternoon. I was covering a Bollywood red carpet in the evening. Not because I had this, you know, I want to be popular, I want to be thing. It was because I needed to make money. Like mm. the media the media business did not have one opportunity for me to, at that time, make more than a teacher made. And I sort of stopped and I said, well, wait a minute, I got to make this work then, work work, right? And so it was great. I had so many amazing experiences as a result because uh, I didn't really ask anyone for permission. And, you know, I'm one of the very few people that can say that he's interviewed George Clooney and Priyanka Chopra in the same day. You know, <laughs> I'm very, and I'm very, and I don't just name drop that. I use that experience now to share with people two things. One, how the content that I've been a part of has has done something for the culture. So diversity ultimately did win right? So it's a very important part. And two, how seeking out new platforms and new opportunities within the digital space can mean so many good things for people to further their voice. And not just, I mean, audio voice, but true platform usage right now is the best way to start to look at how to expand your sphere. Um, I think we're past the, oh, digital this, screen that. I think we really have to get back into that ownership. So I started ThinkStar um in 2017 after my latest gig which was at cineplex digital networks where i was leading uh, pro- uh several projects on digital there and um yeah and that's where afterwards i was you know i presented them with something they weren't interested in um and i realized there was a plenty of opportunity to go out now don't get me wrong what's what the struggle has been is that i uh, I, I have a lot of brainstorming meetings with people And I open a lot of people's eyes up to what the potential can be. But it's really hard to uh, carve a path to profit until you start to show how these platforms are starting to generate traction. So two years ago, when I'm pitching VR for education, they're not interested. But now everyone's interested, Mm -hmm. right? Two years ago, when I'm talking to people about Shopify as being their answer, they're like, yeah, there's so many other opportunities. And if this company started, then there's going to be so many companies like this. And now they're just like, oh, we got to get on Shopify, you know? So I have had hic- hiccups that way. And I have not been able to bring a lot of, especially my corporate contacts into the mix when it comes mm-hmm. to leading. But at the same time, I'm using my thought leadership in much better places now to have conversations like this and to get clients in the, in the right way. People who want to do cool things, interesting things.
1: Man, that's, so that's 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 quite a track record. That's an amazing resume right there. Like having been having all those kind of experiences behind you, especially in a rapid scale.
0: Well, I mean, I just I said it rapidly. It was. Um, <laughs> how how much
1: a, of a period of time was that?
0: Uh, to, well, OK, so it's kind of weird because technically this year marks my 20th year in television. Mm-hmm. But as I described to you, I've done so many different things. Right. So While on one hand, uh, I have not worked 20 years full time in television, but I've had a TV show for 20 years that I've appeared on. Does that make sense? So it's been a part of my ecosystem. I've either produced directed or been a part of for 20 years. I've been an actor member for almost a decade now, and that doesn't mean I'm going to audition so I can be in the Walmart commercial. Right? So a lot of the learning that I want to do with people at this stage is for people to understand what the beta version of new media is right. What the if what you can learn from this earlier version that uh, while things were being built, so you don't have to make the mistakes in the future. You know, I'm watching YouTubers right now just flee, right? They're fleeing YouTube because they don't understand the algorithm. These people, you know, that's how they got into parties back in the day. They were, oh, you got to let YouTuber, you got to invite this YouTuber. This person's going to come out. It was almost as YouTubers were more popular than DJs when you would go to parties and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But what happened? Right, they they weren't a creator platform. They are part of the suggestion platform. And so when YouTubers started to say, "We built you," you know, you should be giving us access, and we should be working together on advertising and stuff like that. You know what YouTube said? They're like, "No."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What are you gonna you gonna go somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something else going? On? Are, you gonna, are you gonna go to Netscape? What are you gonna go? Mm, Where are you gonna go? Yeah. So I mean, I just say that facetiously, but I mean it from the idea that I, I hope that the experiences that I've had. Really help people think a little bit more about, okay, you know, what, how, how differently can I do this? What is next? How is this podcast for blog entries, right? How is the video clips that I'm using in multiple cases better off used uh, in a webinar in the future? You know what I'm saying? I think that all of that stuff has to be the way we think in order to really not have to go through this loop again, which is, oh, look, ten years from now, we got to get more diversity and now we got to remember Oh, we didn't listen to them the first time we did, didn't do it right and we laid everybody off sorry Thinking, you don't know, think about how stupid the world feels right now as a result of all the doctors that they didn't give jobs about a decade ago because they didn't have <laughs> Canadian Canadian experience
2: mm-hmm.
0: just think about just that thought and how much different this this country and this world would be in as a result of all those missed opportunities I don't think we should do that in digital <laughs> mm. I don't think we should do that in um in the way that we're creating media and content these days and that's one of the reasons i wrote the book rethinking your content was just let's let's talk about how we're feeding these systems a little bit and talk yeah, a little yeah. bit about how we make it uh, something for us
1: No, absolutely i was going to bring i was going to tie in your book um i just ch- i checked it up uh, previous episode um you know rethinking i mean rethinking your content i mean uh, just listen to how you speak about content you, know, you kind of have a sophisticated way of uh, viewing this especially coming from like a from from like a production standpoint, right? From uh, from an omni-channel point, you, you, I think you mentioned you did uh, TV, you did radio, you did like a little bit of everything, right? You now podcasting as well. Um, what let's talk a little bit about the book and and the ideas behind it. Rethinking content. How how do, how does that function into today's society?
0: Yeah. So there, I'll tell you two things. One is that uh, I traditionally don't like to delve into anything without trying it myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so uh, I. I wanted to figure out what e-publishing was really about and why people found that there was a real value in it. So I started to explore that first. Then when I started to realize how BS half of the books were out there, I started to think, well, wait a minute. You guys are all perpetuating the same messages and just recycling it for different audiences. So that can't be healthy either. And so I have a background and a connection with Humber College and Humber Consulting Services. And I started to frame it with the idea that what if I took this on the road? What if I took my knowledge and took it on the road a little bit and what Mm -hmm. I know? So rethinking your content was simply the idea that if you take uh, whatever your beautiful big idea is and you can put it through this rinse of understanding what the value can be for partnerships, for leveraging it, for optimizing it, for strategic communications, for tools. I just walk people through just how brilliant it really can be. But you have to think of it from this way. You can't think of it from a, you know, let me get a time lapse of this and hope that a million people watch it because my song is on it. And therefore, I'm, you know, that's how I'm going to go viral. We have, there's no such thing as organic traffic anymore. We have to be very strategic in the way we, Um, And it's not all or nothing, you know, for example, this is one of one of your podcasts, a year, two years from now, you could do a podcast entirely on, you know, growing herbs, who knows, that's Mm. not gonna be your one, this is not gonna be your one contribution. You know, you you don't, you don't have one website you've created in your life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I I think that the idea and what I've tried to do with rethinking your content is to get people excited, um, you know, about where the uh, opportunities lie in some of these platforms, how you can use your content in many different ways, but also, and more so look at it this way, when you're creating, you have to do one of two things. You're either pushing culture or you're pushing commerce. OK, if you feel like you're pushing culture, great. It doesn't mean you're volunteering. It means there's something broader that you're thinking about. And it's fulfilling something awesome that or you're pushing commerce. There's something else that's going to lead to cash for what you're doing, to money, whatever mm-hmm. it is. If you can, those are the only two ways that you should be attacking content. And I, my last thing I want to say to people is that if you have a content strategist that you have high, um, had on staff for a long amount of time, you should probably question what they're doing, because I feel like content strategists um, are really pulling the wool on people's eye- over people's eyes. Uh, if you were a coach instead of a, str- a content coach, like you'd be fired every Monday morning because <laughs> content strat- strategy doesn't exist in the way that people sell it. Content strategy is not about how your idea is going to work in this one place it's now got to be platform strategy you have to be able to tackle they're not building these platforms so that you could be like push one button it's going to go everywhere you're going to be amazing if they if they were doing that they would have just been like let's pair up with the button Mm.
2: (laughs) why do we have
0: to go anywhere else but i think um i think so anyway one of the things i want to mention about the book was that I wanted to be originally wanted to be the one who helped people write their books because I saw people doing blogs for weeks and weeks and I was like you guys have already written your book. You know what I mean? Like you guys mm-hmm. have spent 3 years writing, that's half your book right there. So the only reason you're not doing it is because no one's told you and walked you through what the opportunities are and where the pitfalls are. That's how I started originally. And that's how I branched into, wait a minute, there's way bigger problems. But the good news is once I did the first, the other two are already in progress and I'm really lucky. So if anybody has any questions about that sort of stuff, reach out because I'd be happy to walk them through what I was able to learn in the process and what I would avoid as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, publishing, uh, e-publishing is definitely on, on the upkeep, uh, upkeep, like coming up and become more popular, but uh, talking about what you said, you know, uh, when you, if you're trying to create content, it's not about the content anymore, it's about the platform. Right. Can we talk a little bit more about that? Like, yeah, uh, you know, like when you're creating content, do you have to be conscious of how the platform spreads that content or who's on that platform? Like, what does that mean?
0: Yeah. So look at it this way. Every platform has its own dashboard has its own report that it's giving you based on its audience insights or whatever you're looking to achieve. But if I was to say to you, uh, Hey, do you know why episode three of your podcast was removed from Spotify? What would you say to me? No. Right. Because you you have a system, the way you distribute and the way it happens. But then if I show you three or four articles and say, hey, people, uh, people's um, podcasts are being removed off of Spotify for blah blah blah, then you get a bit a little bit worried, right? Think to yourself, well, why am I not, you know, why is my one stop shop solution not fitting? It's because all of these platforms are going through growth spurts, right? They're going through growths and changes where they're they they are everything from you know load of service to potentially being bought. So we can't sort of live and die by the idea that all of these platforms kind of work the same way. Spotify will eventually become a suggestion ranking, too, right, in which they want, you know, stuff that is only on Spotify. I'm not saying this is true, but who knows, right? They might stop, say, all of our originals go first five. And then do you fit into the conversation, even if you've landed like the best interview somewhere. So we're we're a little ignorant to this one-stop solution idea the same way we were ignorant to the idea that if you just put your website up, people will find it, right? Mm -hmm. And so even platforms from a YouTube perspective we just described in Spotify, we just uh, described it. If you start looking at the newer ones like Clubhouse, you know, where are you going to get your guide to how how to be functional on that. How are you going to start to make yourself a mark or prepared for that, knowing how it's going to change the audio conversation? In fact, I would probably I'm going to go on record right now and tell you this, that in the first quarter of this year, I guarantee that podcast listenership will fall as a result of Clubheads. Hmm. just as a result of the fact that people are just tuned in for that same audio gap, that hour, that whatever that, you know, that you can plug into, I guarantee We'll see hmm. a um, a dip in that as a result. So I'm, what I was saying more so is that, you know, you, you don't need to be everywhere. You don't need to spread yourself too thin. But you need to understand that none of these platforms are actually living for you to be functional as one thing. You have to be able to understand where the value and where you leverage for best. If you know moms over the age of 40 are 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 your target audience, then there's only two or three platforms that you need to be on right? If you know that Facebook Live is going to sell more merchandise for you, you got to figure out the best way to give your best Facebook Live. You're not going to do a Facebook Live that simulcast as a webinar on Zoom that's going to then eventually become, you know, a TikTok Live on the, I don't know, man, you got to figure that part out. Don't dilute your audience. It doesn't make sense. Anyway, I'm just giving you therapy lessons.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So if someone's starting out, you know, and they want to create content, like, would it be best if like if they if they wor- work backwards, like who's this content for and aim it at that, aim at that crowd rather than just create content for the sake of a wide scoping audience? That's well, what you're I to mean, say. You
0: you can't kill the vibe, right? You would never say that because I'm sure a songwriter never sits down and stops and says, you know, ballad, right? Um no, always be how about we look at it this way? How about you take the idea and think about what platform is this for? Right. And then you start to think a little bit, Okay, well, why YouTube? Why does this make sense on YouTube? For some people, it'll just be TikTok because TikTok is their moment. So they've got the, you know, this is their two year TikTok period. And that's the way they want to do it. But you'll notice that anybody who's just been a flavor of the week when it comes to any social media, they've never been able to transcend their audiences. It's not like Kim Kardashian has the same amount of people on all of her platforms. I guarantee she looks at her weakest one and stops and says, what gives? right why aren't these people doing this you know some of the most popular youtubers when they turned the subscriber channel on they couldn't get a million subscribers and their videos were getting three million hits mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so i would say less um don't think about who the target's for and more about where you find where you'll find the audience for it and is that audience in the culture or is that audience in the in the commerce perspective for you and
1: can you talk about the difference what is the what is the culture versus commerce like what does that what does that mean um, I believe
0: that the, the creators that uh, um, I believe that creators in the digital world are just an extension of people who want to do one of two things and should only be doing one of two things. Um, there's a massive amount of um, self-worth that comes from being able to create freely, being an artist, being somebody who just wants to jam, mm-hmm. be a DJ, whatever, whatever. If you don't have to make money doing it, some cases you will, in some cases you won't. That's for the culture. That's that's why hip hop started out in the park, right? That's what they talk about. When they were in the park and they were rapping, they weren't rapping because there was going to be a record deal that eventually was going. They were just like, no. Hip hop started out in the park, right? We we did it to communicate our stories with each other and make each other feel better by by, by venting that. Mm. And it's the it's the same sort of way that I kind of feel like if we're if we're um if we're content creators, we should feel a little bit more like. Uh, we have uh, a hold on what it means to us intrinsically, right? And you know the same way. if somebody wants to make an independent film versus the Avengers, if you show them the check for the Avengers, they'll be like, "No, I want to make it right." But there are also people who just want to make the independent film about the girl in the village. Mm. It's The same thing. That's the way we got. We have to look at uh, look at that from a cultural perspective. Now, the commerce perspective is different, and this is where I'm warning you not to get fleeced. And I'm warning people that I meet all the time: don't be stupid. If you're creating this volume of content that you think is connecting with people and you think that there's a real avenue there, there's nothing but opportunity to make money through content. If you are somebody who has had a live event for the last five years and you didn't do one webcast this year, then you just threw away thousands of dollars. Hmm. There's no reason why you shouldn't be using video and content as part of your commerce plan. There's not one industry. I, like I mean, um, mm-hmm. like there's not one shopping industry. There's not like direct to consumer industry is what I mean. Uh, there, I'm I'm sure the oil changing guy down the street will be like, "What are you talking about?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think even 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 those people like um, uh, I think everyone has become a media player. Like I think Gary Vee was talking about us two years ago, and he's now oh, coming yeah? back and and saying that uh, you know, this is this is still the fa- facts, right? It's like, yeah, it was on Twitter. Uh, it's turning on Twitter like for a while, uh, two years ago. It, and then now it's uh, it's it's coming back up. It's that uh, in 2010s, every company needs to be a technology company, aka deploying technology in some way, the 2010s. And 2020s, every company has to be a media company. Because if you don't promote yourself through media, through content, but what you stand for, what you believe in, uh, what, you, what you're trying to do, what solutions you, you have, to the problems you're trying to solve, right? Then people are not going to know you because there's too much noise. There's too much noise, right? right. Like this. Right? Well, so and you, you have to up.
0: own your story too, right? Mm. You have to own your story too. And that's another big part of it. We saw that, um, sorry to cut you off. You can, yeah, no I, I was just going to say that, um, you know, we saw that in crisis management over the last five years where a lot of companies weren't able to own their story when bad things happen as a result of not having the right digital communication um, like mediums intact. Dove mm. was a prime example. Dove did not have a, um, other than their larger um, Love yourself campaign. They didn't have a large presence in social responsibility, right? So it became one of those. Well, what do you do when you need to take care of backlash? When you yes. need to make a statement? When you need to reach out to people that are beyond a press release? So that's another reason why um, people have latched on to it in the last few years.
1: Yeah, um, going back that kind of sentiment we were talking about, right? Like the idea of like a, being a media company. So uh, we're seeing a phenomenon right now, and COVID has brought like really heralded this. Is that companies are now being evaluated not by their financials but by their story right and uh, the meaning of that the, re- the reason for that is there's a lot more um, less institutional ca- this, for the first time the retail investor is outperforming institutional investors where more people are putting their money into directly into 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 brands right uh, i'm not sure if you're following this but like Brands like um, like BlackBerry are reporting their stock is up 120, 150 percent, and they're like, there's no reason for a stock to go up. They didn't pretty release out. There's so no products coming or nothing, and it's because retail investors are on this on the sideline coming together and overpowering the stock. They're pumping the stock because they, they believe in the brand. They want to park their money somewhere, right? So they they're they're, pay, they're picking stocks and they're parking it and they're doing it together, right? People are not, still not sure if it's illegal or not if it's a pump and dump. But like end of the day. You know, like, they're, like, look at Tesla, right? Why are they trading at like almost 200 times their, their revenue, right? Becoming one of the most uh, most um, valuable, yeah. most valuable automotive companies in the history, right? It's not because of their financials. It's because of the story. It's because of what they mean, what they mean to people. And the, so the idea of like being able to deliver your story is becoming much more meaningful now than ever. Because... People are filtering through the noise. They're not trying to go through the details and be like what what are you actually doing, but they're trying to start, look for what you actually stand for. What could you become, right? And uh, I think that's that's very valuable in the landscape because if you have a good story, if you if you can communicate that story really well, you can capture future value uh, to to solve those problems right now, right? Uh, through these retail investments.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, you bring up the retail side, and uh, and I think that. From a brand loyalty and a brand uh, growth perspective, it'll be phenomenal to see one of the companies actually come to fruition for what the promise is. You know, it'll be nice to see a good comeback story Um, and especially if, uh, um, you know, digital media was a big part of that. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm. it would be it would be nice to not have another Nortel in Canada. Right. You know, when Nortel broke down, we became what we were. We were one of the heroes in the telecom business for the longest time in North America. And when Nortel broke down, Canada was was, you know, everyone jumped ship and we didn't have a, a lot to offer in that space. In fact, I often think to myself how different our um, uh, global digital footprint would have been in Canada if Nortel was one of those companies that we started to ride into the digital phase, but it just it broke down too soon um, for, for them to find that leverage. So anyway, um, yeah, I would love to see legacy brands start to become a little bit more uh, in tune with how they can leverage their brands into a newer digital footprint and something that makes sense. But like you said, if we start looking at like things like pump and dump stocks and where nostalgia lies. And you know, uh, I was talking to somebody about the uh retroation mm-hmm. of, the, of the world. In that, I what will what tends to happen, and you know what, this might have been something from Clubhouse, so I'm going to warn you right now this because I can't. But what tends to happen was, um, is that we, we start to find comfort in rebuilding whatever we're involved with as a result of being nostalgic about stuff be way before. Mm. So no, so eighties had, a, um, has had a renaissance a couple of different times in, in the way that, you know, this gen- generation X has, pardon me, the way the generation X has approached their thing. So, so a lot of, um, people who work in brands etc are sort of mo- uh, are the thought leadership is around the idea that we're going to see a little less flying cars can't wait for the future and a little bit more comfort blanket you can see it in the fashion already you know what i mean you can see it mm. in a little bit of the half covid inspired half trashy 90s inspired looks that you're starting to see again mm. um yeah it's so It'll be interesting to see how that is welcomed into this space, right? Which is, you know, for instance, can you and I have a conversation about Street Fighter, right? And Street Fighter Two, and can we make it so that ten thousand other people would watch it? So there, it'll be interesting to see if that starts to bubble over as being uh, more of stuff we're actually in tune with, rather than constant thought leadership and you should do this and you should do that and be better and be best and like all that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I think that it's an exciting time, especially for the next generation. Man, like it's for the next generation. It's super exciting because what they can do or going to be able to do just with their phone mm-hmm. is remarkable to me. I'm so super excited about it.
1: Absolutely. Um, I did I did a talk at a high school. Well, uh, at three high schools last year, a uh, year before, and um, and one of the things that has uh, really blew my mind was like talking to the the uh, to the next generation, Gen Z, right? And I was part of a panel. And none of the panel knew that we were millennials. Millennials was a dirty word, right? Like that everyone talked about. Millennials are so so, so like, you know, whatever. And when I told them, like, yeah, we're the millennials, actually. They're Gen Z. They're cell phone natives. They've grown up with technology. They're not as hesitant as we are. You know, millennials still have to go to a laptop to sign into your bank account. You know, they, we don't trust our phones as much, right? We mm-hmm. need a big uh, landscape where Gen Z, they're more, they're perfectly fine just buying like a $500 purchase straight off their phones, right? If they, if they you know, if they want a new Xbox or whatever, right? And uh, and like how that's going to move commerce, move, move digital. But look at like Generation Alpha, what's coming up after them. You know, the people who are like two, three years old right now who can go up to Alexa and be like, Alexa, why is the sky blue? You know, uh, Alexa, like, you know, why is, this, why is the sun so bright? Right? What's the weather outside? They're interfacing the technology with voice. Right? They can just ask and receive information. So what does that, how does technology evolve us? Right? This is a really good quote where, um, that, that, that I found really interesting is that technology is what makes us human. When we invented fire, we lost the ability to eat raw meat, but we were able to consume higher calorie counts. It changed us. Our technology continuously it makes us evolve and change what makes us be human, right? We don't you talk back like, oh, before computers, before TV, we were more social. No, you look at that meme where like everyone's in a subway station reading newspapers, being antisocial, right? And it's like, it's like you know, history, like, you know, our, our, our collective conscious has evolved with our technology and we've modified. So talking about, you know, what the future can come and become, like, I think that's going to be very interesting because... Very quickly, the speed of the speed of change—we're not going to recognize what's what we're, what we're going to become versus like what we have become, right? Because the speed of change is going to become faster and faster.
0: Yeah, and that's a lot of the reason why I feel like I have a voice in what I'm doing, my friend. Like I feel like I'm able to take that pause and at least acknowledge what that bridge has been from analog to digital, and yeah. still have it from a, a cohesive place where I'm not doing the wag the finger like back in my day, but also super excited about what's ahead. Um, Yeah, you brought up uh, some great points. I I know parents are struggling right now with um, smart speakers at home because kids aren't able to decipher between walking up to a couch and talking to it and asking, you know, randomly a question in the kitchen. Um, And that's a true that's a true um, issue that they're having. They don't understand the actual difference. Um, The other aspect that I I, I'm trying to remind people on is that voice search is entirely different. Mm -hmm. And so while we're sitting here trying to think about search engine optimization, I'm trying to get people to start thinking about voice search engine optimization, because eventually you want to start owning your audio brand in that capacity. I should be able to call out your podcast on my smart speaker, and it shouldn't hesitate to come up. Mm. And so if you're not in a situation where you're starting to learn and own that space, then again, you're not putting yourself ahead in what you can stay cultural, right? Stay local, you know, Do your, you know, do your thing for your audience. But if you want to be, you know, a part of how you can grow it, then you need to start to think a little bit more. Mm, I understand the platform. Right. Uh, Yeah. So I think it's phenomenal. You know, uh, I don't, it's amazing. I'm in a, it's such a wonderful position where I don't have to prophesize about anything. I just have to explain it from the idea that there are questions going around in everyone's head right now. And so let's start to explore it from a good way. And let's start to put pen to paper too. I think the other part of it that's driving so many people nuts is, do I want to do, like, do I really, and doesn't it seem, and the analysis paralysis thing is like, so 2018, you know, you've got everything you can do between your phone and your iPad and a half decent microphone, you decide what you want to do with it as a result. The fact mm-hmm. that I can DJ an entire wedding on my iPad now. <laughs> It makes me believe that there's no reason why I can't be a DJ if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. there is a reason. I was always, always horrible at beat matching. <laughs> I could never beat match. I could never yeah. understand why. Just the feeling I had to play two uh, songs together it just didn't work. <laughs> 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 I, was I was the worst. There's uh,
1: AI DJs now. You know, you can just act like you're doing
0: the work. Oh my gosh, I do know, and not only that, but one time I had asked a girl to um, <laughs> to make a mix. For me, based on about 20 Spotify links that I had sent her, and she didn't even send me the mix back. She sent me the app back. She just said, put it all in here. (laughs) (laughs) I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh my God, this is the dad DJ who just sent you the thing. It's like, like, hey, can you make me a mixtape? And it's like, a mixtape can make itself now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs)
0: So yeah, no. it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to, you know, actually I'm working on um, a new idea for a podcast right now. That's supposed to be a limited series. And I think I'm going to try this time to pre-pitch it. I'm mm-hmm. going to go out to people and just see if they want to, you know, be on board early before I even try to go out there and book guests and do all that sort of stuff. Um, and that's the other thing I will tell you is that i i benefited immensely by doing podcast episodes to promote my book. Um, and I have been, so lucky i've appeared uh everywhere from dubai to this conversation to india and the conversations are phenomenal i haven't had one situation where i've been like what's going on here? um so it excites me because now i can stop and say i've done podcasts from around the world as well
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh I, I understood the tone differences the question differences the 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 need the want the the out in some cases versus the um, you know sit there and listen, mm. you know, one podcast I was on, somebody only wanted to know about like my celebrity encounters based on celebrities I would interviewed. And I had to constantly tie it back in to like, you know, that doesn't make me, what makes me is that that experience led me to believe that he was interested in the story that blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a ride. I can't wait to do another one. I'm hoping to get, you know, another book done within the next two months and I also have a diversity initiative I'm working on as well to get uh, corporations to start to celebrate some of their victories uh, with employees too. So yeah, mm. should be interesting.
1: That's great. I mean, that's got quite a spread of things you're, you're involved with. Um, yeah. With, with things Start, um, you talked about it being like a collection of, of, uh, of freelancers. Is that, is that what it is? Are you trying to bring a collective together to do, to do micro tasks together?
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, I don't believe that any of the projects that I pitch for have a two to three year span to them yet uh, because we're like technology is catching up, you know, with 5G being implemented, for example, your VR and AR adoption is going to be entirely different with iPhone 12s, your AR adoption and storytelling is going to be a big part of what Snapchat does later. But I sit with clients and work on, well, how are we prepared for that from the idea standpoint first and then work in how it's efficiently done, the creatives involved and stuff. so I only I can only afford to do that if I bring in the 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 senior minds at the right time. I can't mitigate your risk on this as a result of having salaries for you to pay for. So it's you know crumbling the agency model to a point where if you said to me tomorrow I've got five grand to do a podcast, I know how to get that in action without having to get my team together, et cetera, et etc. I just have you know the team to do it. Does that make Mm. sense? So I'm in some ways, I guess I'm a glorified uh, agency in that respect. But I'm also I would rather have the people that I know how to do things currently doing them than sitting waiting for the business to be done.
2: Mm. Um,
0: And I think I benefit by, you know, coming in at a reasonable cost that way, too. I'm not doing what ridiculous agents. And to be honest with you, agencies are calling anyway. So they know that there's a a huge value to thought leadership and then the exploration of the way things should be happening and explain, you know, teams aren't sitting around lunchrooms anymore and having casual conversations. Oh yeah, you should check that out. You should read this article, blah, blah, blah. That's not happening anymore. So uh, I'm trying to wedge myself somewhere in between being useful and being useless.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, talking about that and like, you know, when, when as a professional, you seem to be, in a lot of places at once, you know, you're writing books and you're you're, you're publicizing them, doing podcasts, you're te- teaching people how to do podcasts, you're running this agency, you know, you're taking diversity leadership, you know, you me spread out in so many different facets. How do you organize and manage yourself? How does that time management work?
0: Um, I don't have an answer for you. Mm.
1: I, do you have a system, I, or do you just kind of flow in the in the in the moment of things?
0: No, I definitely have multiple systems on the go, and I'm extremely proud of being able to do what I've been able to do. But I think the smarter answer is I don't know how else to do it. Hmm. Um, so I work extremely well with others. I've never had any issue with that. I know how to outsource when I don't know how to. You know what it is, honestly, dude. I know what I don't know how to do. Hmm. And that's the bigger part of be, finding any way to be, you know, um, in my downtimes, I, you know, I can turn to, to my partner and my wife, uh, my, who is my, my partner, my, my, my wife and stuff and say, it's not working the way that I thought it was going to work and find the confidence to work it in that same conversation. Right. Um, I can work with my webmaster on a project and, un- and communicate what the exact problem is as a result of understanding the system, but not having to be the designer. So um, I know what I don't know how to do. And that's been a big uh, eye-opening experience to be Mm -hmm. able to, to do, you know, we haven't talked about my other media properties where my ownership is and stuff like that. And that's not because I need the promotion. I want you to big me up and stuff, but it's also because until I'm, you know, until I've got that value to offer, why am I sitting there telling you about, Oh, look, wait till you see this, man. It's like, it's Jaws meets Spider-Man. You're going to love it. No, I'm, I'm past that point in my life where I need to pretend to be something that I'm not.
2: <laughs> and so
0: I, I, the short answer to your question is I don't know how to not be busy. And I know that I'd probably be way better off if I focus one day at a time on stuff. But I'm also extremely grateful for the opportunities and experiences I've been able to have. And um, just kind of make it happen while you can, dude.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love that. I'm personally like that. I love working on different things. I like being busy. You know, and I feel like in my mind, it all ties together. It's like one big vision. It's all like micro parts to it all. But other people look at it, be like, why are you doing all this? Like, why aren't you focused on one thing at a time? Have you gotten pushback on that, blowback? Have you ever doubted yourself and thought, you know, maybe I should do things, you know, like more like systematically?
0: Dude, just to get on this call, I doubted myself because of mm-hmm. the Skype problems that we were having. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> Is this the right... What am I doing? Do I look like an idiot? Um, no, listen, it's not. Uh, there's no, one of the reasons I got into the business that I got into was that there was nobody there to guide me right so originally when i was in film and tv i thought to myself i don't want a brown kid growing up in canada who had every opportunity to put up his hand and ask the right question to still feel like they shouldn't put up their hand and ask the right question and so when i started to look at the career path that way and realized that nobody look, everyone when i first started especially leaving business into film and tv it was just kind of like what why you're dumb don't do it and then you know you went through that slight embarrassment, too, where all your brown friends were starting to get married. And you're just like, I'm still, you know, started from the bottom. You know what I mean? I'm just starting. you am doing it. Blah, blah, blah. And then you started to get the accolades. And then all of a sudden, the, you know, family's friends would call the parents. And then all of a sudden, the parents were more interested. And you're moving in the direction that you envisioned and stuff. But nothing was somebody leaving breadcrumbs and me following it. It was half gut. It was half the reassurance that I could still not have to make sacrifices that would hurt family or hurt myself or even hurt, you know, or have to physically move. I made so much happen in Toronto, dude, that you could not make happen if you were a reporter in L.A. or New York, just because of the lack of access, because of how narrow minded they were about who could cover what, about what type of producer should be on the red carpet, about what type of person should be in front of this A-list celebrity. You know, I was the... I was the best C-string reporter that City TV ever had because I never said no to anything. You know what I'm saying? And I ended up getting some life-changing moments as a result. I didn't say no to working on the Sunday. I didn't say no to working for free as their film critic for a year. I just, you know, so when you say finding ways to put it all back together, imagine the stories I have to share now, right? So I'm lucky that none of it comes with this idea that I am. I'm not up here at all, but <laughs> I want to be in, I want to have the conversations with as many people as possible. But if you can learn anything from some of the stuff that I've done or ways that I've fallen on my face or being the only Brown kid in the room, do it because uh, that's, that's the only way we learn and progress. So there's no magic solution. The pushback will always happen. The pushback happens on yourself daily when you wake up and you stop and say, oh, I've doing that again. So I got to go back. What did I do? Do this the right edit? Was this, did I save it as this? <laughs> Does new edit mean right edit? <laughs> I always, latest edit. That's the worst thing to ever, excuse my language. That's the l- worst thing to ever label anything is latest edit. I always laugh. Uh, but anyway, sorry, I'm digressing. Uh, I think that you are much more forward um, thinking about how you you feel like you can really utilize these platforms to your uh, capability. And I love the fact that you're out here and you're doing it because as you engage these people, like I looked at the way you've, you've booked guests and stuff. And I thought to myself, see, this is so smart because you've booked people that don't think that they have something to offer. Like you've booked people that are pretty cool about their idea and their thoughts and stuff, but you brought out like why they think that their idea is slightly revolutionary or could change the game or stuff. And that's tough, man, especially to product people from people who know how they've good like put things together and shit. I want to sit here for 30 minutes while you're like trying to get it in their brain. So kudos to you. I don't know how we got on to you in this situation, but kudos to you for being able to do it.
1: Hey, thank you. I really appreciate that. I mean, that's kind of what um, I aspire to do with this podcast. Like really it was to find people who are doing in the mix of doing something really cool and promoting them by show by like, you know, showing how it all evolves into something bigger. Right. So it's really cool that you caught that. Thank you. Uh, by the way, how, how did you come uh, find the podcast? Like, uh, how, Was it a recommendation engine that brought, brought attention? Were you searching something? I remember, dude. Sorry. Mm. I'm sorry.
0: Uh, it's been such a crazy, like I remember looking at the YouTube page and thinking to myself, this is dope. And then putting it sort of to the side and then it might've come back again in LinkedIn somehow as, oh, this is that. And then I went on a mission just to figure out how you know what's weird about podcasting searching in the way that I've been researching it? I haven't taken borders into consideration. So in, in the, like for instance, I just did a fitness podcast that is based out of Australia that was recorded in, in Florida. And that was for the fitness business so that they could start to understand how they can use social media beyond Instagram. So the real the real problem right now is the last five years in the fitness industry, most professionals have gone all in on Instagram, and obviously when the um you know pandemic happened and they weren't working with clients one on one, they wanted to understand a little bit more about what more opportunities are out there in this conversation now granted it, it's not as simple as that it was a very de- like we had a very good conversation and stuff it wasn't a surface level, it's something they could have googled um but it was awesome. so what I'm saying is that I didn't necessarily look at the search for trying to find you as being something, oh, where can I find Canadians? Where can I find somebody who might know me and stuff? I just kind of went for based on what I like the look in the field to be.
1: Cool. Yeah, Mohan, man, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time and for coming on. Yeah, I really, really appreciate it. And, the...
0: and I'm really sorry about the first time in December, I had a real issue with my Google. And the worst part was I lost a ton of um great contacts as a result uh because i just started up my think start email and uh, anyway sorry um i apologize for that so thanks again
1: no problem I'm, i'm glad we got this done um and for everyone who followed on thanks for listening and stick around for a quick debrief thank you